0: Thank you.
1: lost the handle, Chalmers for the tie, got it, in 10 seconds, unbelievable.
0: Listeners, this is the World Series special edition of the Mono Sports Podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff for you tonight to preview the World Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox. And later on, we'll have a visit from Andy Dirks, former Major League outfielder and a guy who played in the World Series with the Detroit Tigers. He's here to give us a perspective of just what it's like to play in the Fall Classic. And he'll give his picks from this World Series on the Mono Sports Podcast. This series marks the first time these two franchises have met since all the way back in 1916 when Fenway Park was only four years old, 102 years ago. That was so long ago that then the Red Sox had a 21-year-old pitcher who was known to hit some prodigious home runs. That pitcher was named Babe Ruth, and he helped the Red Sox take down the then Brooklyn Robins. So there has never been a Dodgers-Red Sox World Series or even an LA-Boston World Series. For the record, Boston won that 1916 matchup 4-1, one, with Babe Ruth recording the win in Game 2. His performance that day? A 14-inning complete game in which he faced 48 batters, scattering 6 hits and striking out 4. The only run he gave up came on a 2-out solo homer in the first inning. He then proceeded to give up only 5 more hits over the course of the next 13 and one 3 innings. Not to mention, he helped his own cause with an RBI groundout in the third to tie the game. 102 years later, we go from that famous lefty ace to the stellar matchup of lefty aces, LA's Clayton Kershaw and Boston's Chris Sale. Clayton Kershaw versus Chris Sale, arguably the two best lefties in their respective leagues. I'm going to give the edge to Clayton Kershaw on this one and the series. Kershaw and the Dodgers have been here before. Game one of the World Series is a game of firsts for many reasons. Clayton Kershaw's first career start at Fenway Park and Chris Sale's first career World Series start. Kershaw does own a 1-0 record across three World Series appearances. In fact, since 2015, he has an 8-2 record and recorded a save over his last 16 appearances. And he's 5-1 in his last 10 appearances, dating back to last year. One key for the Red Sox will be scoring first. The Red Sox this postseason are 7-0 when they score first and 0-2 when they don't. Chris Sale has some questions of his own. Had a hospital stay in the past week for an infected belly button ring. And remember, he pitched only 17 innings from July 28th on in the regular season due to left shoulder inflammation, inflammation, left shoulder inflammation. We'll see how many innings he can give the Red Sox here in this World Series. Both bullpens have been surprising strength for these two teams. The Dodgers bullpen has a 1.45 ERA, and the arms that make up everybody not named Craig Kimbrell in the Boston bullpen, namely Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, heath embry and joe kelly have a combined 0.81 era and a 0.122 opponent batting average in their last 22 and a third innings thrown while the strength of la's bullpen lies in the ability of a lot of their pitchers to give them a lot of different kinds of innings they have closers converted starters and setup men and some might say more importantly the experience from last year's world series where kenley jansen and brandon morrow have experienced this pressure before. Game two will be David Price versus Hyun Jin Ryun. Both pitchers have been a mixed bag this postseason. Price couldn't get out of the second inning in the ALDS against the Yankees before going 1 0 in two starts and throwing a combined 10 3rd in innings in the ALCS. Despite regular season success, he owns a 3 9 career record in the postseason. He is also the only Boston starter who has pitched in the World Series. That was in 2008 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Ryu was lights out in the ALDS with seven shutout innings and a win over Atlanta, but then gave up seven runs in seven and a third innings across two starts in the ALDS against Milwaukee. So an L.A. Boston World Series may never have happened before, but our next guest has been to the World Series before. Andy Dirks, former Major League outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. That's the 2012 American League champion Detroit Tigers, and he knows a thing or two about playing in a World Series. Hey, Andy, welcome to the Mono Sports Podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure.
0: Awesome. It's great to have you here. Uh, Now, you did play in the World Series. Uh, L.A. versus Boston. Who do you have in this World Series?
1: I've I've said the Dodgers from pretty much day one. Uh, The combination of pitching, young energy, and and hitting that they have is going to be tough tough to keep up with. But Boston's got a, a pretty good squad without a doubt, right? So it'll be an interesting series. I think whoever whoever can make the plays uh, stay away from the big inning is going to be the team uh, that wins. You know, whatever, whatever defensive side of the ball can stay away from those five spots or those six spots throughout the entirety of the series is going to be the team that wins because both these teams can score a lot of runs in a hurry.
0: Yes, that they can. That's a good point. You know, sometimes it seems, especially uh, in the playoffs, that – the team that wins usually has that one inning where they score more runs than the other team does in the entire game. So you're right. Uh, it's going to be a big thing to avoid anyone putting up those big innings. The Boston, Boston is seven and O when they score first and zero and two when they don't. So uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. a big key for Boston to be able to get out there early. Well, I
1: think, I think a lot of these teams too, at a high level, the bullpens are so good. Now you, you almost got to hit the starter. Yeah. You know, because if, if the guys, if both these teams have a, a pretty deep bullpen and really, you know, I think that uh, Boston might have a little edge in the bullpen depending on the day and how many days rest guys have. But overall, these bullpens can be pretty dynamite and tough to score runs off of, right? So uh, scoring runs early is is a key. But I still think whoever can, can get the big inning together because a solo home run is not going to win the World Series. But that three-run shot and that, that three-run double or uh, that big inning where you score five-plus runs, that's what that's what kind of teeters the edge and really gets the momentum going.
0: You know, you mentioned the Dodgers pitching. That obviously starts with Clayton Kershaw. He's been a, a dominant force during his career in the major leagues, but it was always kind of his bugaboo was the postseason, you know. Him and, and I, Price
1: both. So you got both, the, both two of the best lefties, arguably – in yeah. our generation, for sure, they both have struggles in the postseason, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works. You know, Kershaw's been a little better of late. I think since fifteen, since two thousand fifteen, he's seven and one, I think. So he, seven mm-hmm. and two, something like that. He's got most of his wins recently. Uh, sometimes people or players' careers are made and broken in a World Series. Do you think? that Clayton Kershaw can silence a lot of people if he does win this world series and can be like, I won the world series. You can't say I couldn't get it done.
1: Yeah, without a doubt winning the winning the championship silences a lot of people. I think for Clayton Kershaw uh, he's regardless of if he ever wins a world series or not is one of the best left hand pitching talents we've seen in a long time. Uh, his, he, he goes out and pitches every day, throws a lot of innings, goes deep in the games, has a multitude of pitches is a competitive guy. It's just a matter of time in the playoffs for it to, to show. And I really, I really do hope that he wins one, but on the other side, you got price who's one of the best left-handed pitchers, you know, that we've seen in this generation and Mm -hmm. he struggles in the playoffs. And what you have to remember about the playoffs is every pitch is kind of that uh, moment. And there's a lot of games that are decided by a few runs, uh, a couple runs here, a couple runs there. And the guy that's on the other side of the ball throwing against you is also the best in the world at what they do. Uh, they wouldn't be there without great starting pitching. So if you look at win loss totals, it can be a little deceiving at times. People know these two pitchers better than they'll know some of the other pitchers that they're going to face because they've been in the league longer. So there's more scouting on them. There's more analytics on them. They're easier to prepare for than a guy who's been in the big leagues for a year or two. You've been playing in the other division, uh, uh, and or, or you've never even faced them before, yeah. right? Because a lot of these, uh, through interleague, some of these guys have faced Kershaw. They've faced Price. They've faced <laughs> these different people. So they're a little more familiar with them, which is an advantage if you face the guy before. Totally. And also, it's in the playoffs, you never know who the hero is going to be. And that's kind of the cool part about it. You know the, the the studs like Kershaw and Price, and they might be, but they're also without those guys you don't you don't even get to the playoffs. So you got to look at it twofold and say, well, how did David Eckstein become a World Series MVP? Was he the best player on the Cardinals roster that year? Of course not.
0: You know uh, Rick Porcello. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I think he probably will st- uh, start Game Three. You played with him in Detroit. Uh, he has since gone on to Boston. I don't think – he never played in the World Series with these guys, but he played in the World Series a little bit with you. Uh, what do you see in Porcello that he's doing now, uh, and what, what do you like, think about him as um, maturing into the pitcher he is today?
1: Well, a lot of people forget that Porcello came to the big leagues when he was like 20. So he was always an old soul is what I'd call him, very mature for his age uh, mentally. Right. It's because he was a high round draft pick. Tigers took him, I think, with their first pick in 2009, something like that. Uh, But anyway, so he matured very quickly and and kind of learned his game while he was in the big leagues and was effective. Sinker ball pitcher His usually his biggest uh, detriment is when he overthrows the baseball. And and it starts to flatten out because he's a really good sinker ball pitcher. Now that he's getting older and his body's maturing, his velo's up. He's he's got great stuff. He's got great command. And this is a guy that's pitched in the big leagues for a long time, and he's not even that old.
0: Yeah. Well, you played at a big time program in Wichita State, a storied program. Uh, did any of that? You played. You played in a lot of things. Did any of that? Prepare you for what it was like when you were out there in uh, Comerica and um, out in San Francisco as well for the World Series. Just well, we in played of in a atmosphere? couple Super
1: Regionals. Yeah, we played a couple Super Regionals, and and it's it's loud, and it's for for what it was at the time. It's a building process, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just most people you don't just hop into a big league stadium packed with sixty thousand people and play in front of them right away. Uh, for me, you know, it was a building process and and learning to play in front of crowds is part of the game. I played in the the Dominican Winter League for two years, and baseball in the Dominican is everything. That's all they talk about. That's all they do is baseball, 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 and I won two championships while I was down there both times in the postseason. It is wild because they bring it's more of a soccer crowd, right? They bring there's a band that follows the team, and it's very loud, very intense for smaller stadium size. Now, the loudest stadium uh, that I ever played in was in Oakland during the playoffs because in Oakland, what happens during the playoffs is all the football fans come out. And they pack that, that big stadium full of football fans who just yell the whole time, you know, and they have the big loudspeaker going, boom, 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 boom. And it's just a wild atmosphere. But uh, there's, there's definitely... As you play in front of more and more crowds, you get used to the crowds. But in, during the playoffs, there is a, it is special. It is different. Uh, it's more intense. Everybody's watching those games, right? It's not like a regular season game where there's 20 other games going on that day. There's literally, in the World Series, one baseball game that anybody cares about being played on that day.
0: At Fenway Park in the playoffs, you played there. Actually, I looked it up. You have a three thirty three career average at Fenway Park. What did you like hitting in that park?
1: I think, you know, the confidence knowing that you can go the other way and and you're you're not going to fly out to the warning tracks. Good for a left-handed hitter. Left-handed hitters have always had success in Fenway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right-handed hitters, to a point, right-handed hitters always have to be aware of the fact that I can't just try to pull the ball and hit it off the wall. You know, because pitchers they know how to pitch in different parks, and they understand that. Okay, you know, if I give him something to pull here, he doesn't have to hit it well to at least get it off the wall. Uh, vice versa, you know, on the pull side, which is a strength for a left-handed hitter, usually as far as you know, distance-wise on the ball. If you get it, you still got enough to to hit it out to right and right center. But I, I think just the overall dimensions of the field, and then and then obviously. Uh, seeing the ball well in different parks. Every park's a little different. Uh, You see certain – in certain parks, you see the ball better than others. And in Fenway, I I always saw the ball pretty well.
0: So this is more of a local question. I'm out here in D.C. Uh, We got the Washington Nationals have Max Scherzer, another former teammate of yours. You were with him when he had his uh, career best 21-3 and season. First time he went under three for an ERA, threw 200 innings, did all these things. What is it about Max? It's like when I, when I, The feeling I get around him and covering him is that no one loves playing the sport of baseball and pitching more than Max Scherzer. And is that what you kind of gather? And what is it about him that makes him, that's allowed him to reach where he's at?
1: Yeah, he's probably dialed in to become the most consistent pitcher he can be. At all times, like his, like you said, his life does revolve around baseball. His life revolves around sports. He likes all sports. He likes football. He likes uh, basketball. He, he likes, you know, you, NASCAR. If, if, if there's a sport to watch, Max likes it. But he really dials in on how are these competitors uh, finding an edge and becoming as good as they can be. And his work ethic and his routines are unmatched. Uh, Max is a creature of habit. And he studies his film. He studied what he needs to do to be really successful and has found a way to repeat his delivery uh, at a very high level. Because, you know, most people saw Max, and it looks like he's a free-thrower, right? looks like he's just out there chucking. But if you dial it back and really look at what he's doing, it is very precise and calculated. And he can repeat that same arm angle and that same action and the same release point. at at a level that most guys can't, especially with the arm speed that he does have.
0: You know, I was at his 20 K game and I think that's almost cooler than being at a no hitter or some of those other things, because there's only been, you know, like a handful of guys who've ever done that. And early on in the night, it seemed like he was dialed in. He, he had a weird combination of high strikeout total and low pitch count, which uh, is something you have to do to be able to get 20 strikeouts and last the whole thing. Um, uh, now, you have your own podcast, uh, the Get Your Game Right podcast. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Get Your Game Right started. Uh, I, I have a, a real estate business out in Detroit, but obviously love baseball. And it all started uh, when I saw a need for uh, kids to understand more about the game, coaches to understand more about the game, and, and things that aren't talked about as much, like the mindset. And then also, you know, parents asking questions nonstop. And I said, you know what, I'm going to – start putting something together here, and I've had guys on to kind of give experiences and and things that they've been through to hopefully, you know, give back and and help people who are going through uh, the process of trying to become a baseball player. If you're a dad or a mom and you have a kid that's interested in softball or baseball, and then now it's developing into more of a life podcast with life lessons. I have a country music artist that's going to be on the show, and I have a multitude of guests anywhere from a dad whose kid plays in the, in a little travel team all the way up to Tori Hunter, who's, you know, nine time gold glove winner, all-star, you name it. And everything in between is pretty unique, a unique show, but you can, you can check it out get your game right. And you can check me out at Andy Dirk's baseball uh, on Instagram is where we do a lot of stuff. We've just started kind of revving up the social media.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing that. And, um, Thanks for coming on um, the Mono Sports Podcast. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, let's hopefully we have a good series here. And thanks for coming on and talking a little baseball and a little World Series.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, my pick is definitely the Dodgers.
0: I'm right there with you. I think Clayton Kershaw is going to get that ring. And uh, anything to see uh, Boston lose. I got to go to Boston for some um, family business in next weekend, and I don't want to be there right after Boston wins a World Series. <laughs>
1: yeah, Boston's definitely, it's definitely a place that loves their sports, but they're also very braggadocious.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a nice way to put it, Andy. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great one. You too. Bye. That's all the time we have for tonight in the Mo Knows Sports World Series edition. Until next time, who knows what's going on in the world of sports and the World Series? Mo Knows